Welcome to the Coeur Adventist Podcast. Created, produced, and directed by the members of the Coeur Seventh-day Adventist Church. To connect. To grow. To grow. To worship. To reflect Jesus. Let's discover what we can do. Together. 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 Welcome to Interviews, where we take the time to get to know individuals in our faith community better. I'm Jonathan Wold, guest hosting for RJ Henneberg again this week. For this episode, I sat down with Caleb Johnson, a longtime friend I've had the privilege of knowing since we met back in Southern Indiana. Caleb has been an important part of the team that's made the switch to virtual church services happen. He's gotten a lot done already in his career, and he's just getting started. Let's get to know him. So Caleb... How long has it been since you first started calling this area home? Well, it was May 2016 that I moved here. So specific, nice. Yeah. Four what, years. Have you, what have you thought of this? Of of the and, and you came from Southern Indiana, yeah, How's Evansville, Evansville, Indiana, right on the border of Indiana and Kentucky, and it's a very flat area. Southern, mm. So Southern Indiana is probably the hillier part of Indiana, but it's still relatively flat. And I always knew I wanted to move somewhere with mountains. So coming here and being able to see the horizon broken up by mountains mm. and trees, and it's very nice. Yeah. And the people here are friendly, which is, which is good. And it's a quiet town, but it's a beautiful place. Oh, man. Well, you... You've been quite active with the church, especially lately, um, yeah. mostly behind the scenes. Uh, say a little bit about what have you been what have you been up to lately, as far as church ministry goes. Yeah, so in light of the current uh, events of like COVID nineteen and and such, services have obviously been shut down. So at the beginning of that period, I offered my services to the church to be able to record um, a service, more of like an intimate service. Uh, each week. So that would include a sermon, announcements, um, prayer, and then uh, some sort of song service. So I uh, utilize and set up locations within the church as like sets and lit everything. And I have to shout out to others who lent their equipment, like Nick Peterson for letting me borrow his lighting and, Mm. and, uh, the DBIC for some sound equipment and whatnot, but it was, is definitely a group effort and, and, um, uh, Joanne for organizing everything and Patty for all that she's doing and everyone that showed up, but I would just record a service each week and uh, record it and have it ready for, for service that coming weekend. I did that for about three and a half months. And then Man, I, I really enjoyed the ones that I've seen. And when uh, we just had, Apple just had their big WWDC event where once a year they talk about kind of what they're working on. And it was really cool to see how they adapted to Mm. not having, being in person. And I think very similarly, like I think you guys, by moving to that more intimate setting, the way that you just worked in a different, it was a really, it was really an enjoyable service. Yeah. No, I, I, I very much enjoyed it myself too. Like. I know right now I'm, I'm starting to get busy, so I'm, I'm glad that it came to an end, but at the same time it was bittersweet because I did enjoy myself. Like it was, um, at one, at one point, like at a time where we aren't really seeing very many people, 
it was a nice yeah. chance to to get to see our church family again, but interact with them at, from a distance. Um, but yeah, it was it was very enjoyable. I really appreciate all that you've put into that. So you're you have a, a fairly extensive history in this this world of video <laughs> editing, yeah. and and not uh, just video as a whole, right? Yeah. So yeah. Where, yeah. Tell us, tell us a bit about for those who don't know, like where did it start for you? Where did when did the the interest in video sort of first come up? So um, the story begins a long, long time ago, in a <laughs> town far, far away. Uh, so, uh, so I grew up in Indiana, French Lake, Indiana specifically, home of Larry Bird. For those who are uh, into that sort of thing, the basketball player. Um, at 13, I grew up in a fairly artistic family. My dad was an artist for 20 some odd years, yeah. sold nationally and internationally, had galleries in Hawaii and all over the country. Um, so I grew up in that environment. And not only was he an artist, but he was highly creative and inventor and entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurially minded um, and had that mindset of, even if I don't know initially how to do it, I, I know I can figure out how to do it. And so that mindset never stopped him from trying to achieve anything. And then I think mm. being around that, I can't help but kind of take on that mentality as well. And that'll come in important <laughs> a little bit later. Uh, but at 13, like any kid, I like to draw and paint and, and have fun, but I never really quite latched onto it or got serious and finished like a, a big painting. Mm. So at, at one point I had started a, I'd found this angel fish on the back of a national geographic magazine that I thought was pretty cool. Decided to paint it. It was like a two foot by three foot painting. And my dad was about to go to an art show in Arizona. And he said, Hey, if you finish this before I leave, I'll take it with me and see if I can sell it. Mm. Said, okay. So the day comes, he leaves, obviously I finished it. He takes it with him <laughs> yeah. and about two, two days into the art show, he calls me and said, Hey, I sold it for $700. It's like, nice. Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. And I and believe you're 13 at the time, 13, 13 years old. Wow. And, uh, so I was like, shoot, I can do this. <laughs> so that, that began my artistic career and I, um, Got into some galleries, started painting bigger pieces, about four foot by mm -hmm. five foot. So I was like almost as big as I was at the time. And uh, somewhere between 13 and 17, I got a, um, I was interviewed by the American Lifestyle Magazine, was featured in, in that along with they were doing an article on child prodigies. Um, and uh, so that was cool. And then the, the Tyra Banks show, they were going to do a show on child prodigies again actually i was talking to one of the producers at the show about being on and it was going to go forward but then this was at the time when uh the tire banks the entire show just got canceled that year I see. so it never went through but i got the call and i was talking to someone so that was pretty cool nice um, how, so how old like, were you then uh, i want to say between like 14 15 somewhere in there so you so have this background in art and you're from an artistic family. I think you said fairly artistic. But I think that's an understatement. There's, there's definitely a lot of art flowing <laughs> yes. in the family. Yeah. Where does video come into the picture? So 
fast forward, I'm 17 years old. My dad sold his art business. We've moved to Oklahoma, of all places, uh, to be assistant camp rangers at Wawoka Woods Adventist Camp. And uh, it was... (laughs) I was still kind of painting at the time, like whenever I, I had the time between uh, working at the camp and and that and whatnot. But um, it was beginning to become like I'm still like young, like early teens, early adolescence, and I'm like highly creative, and I just wanted to be outside and like always like daydreaming. So art became a job at a young mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. And was becoming less and less enticing, and I was losing my desire and passion for it. So before I completely lost the desire for for art, I decided to quit. And my dad was like, you know, so we know that you're not too thrilled or too excited about painting anymore. What do you want to do? What are your interests? Mm. And it was at that point, this is 17, that I was like, you know, I... I've always enjoyed or liked the idea of acting because at a young age, you know, hyper creative, like I always was outside in the woods pretending to be an Indian or, or Bible character or whatever I was watching on, on movies at the time. And uh, so that was always part of my, my youth growing up is just that creativity and becoming a character. So that was an interest of mine. And, you know, like any good parent, a Christian parent, um, they were concerned what it would be like for me to move to California to try and become an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a million and one people out there trying to do the exact same thing I would be, who potentially would be more li- more willing to sacrifice their morals along the way to get a, get a job. So that was the concern and rightly so. So they suggested, you know, instead of becoming an actor, why don't you become a director or someone like that? Then, then you can have control over the content of the story and you can act in the movies as well. Yep. And so that's what we did. So it was around this time. This was, um, 2009, I believe it was. Um, we were the, last ones hired at the camp. And this was when the economy hit back in 2009. <laughs> so we were the first ones, first or last ones hired and the first ones let go. Yep. And we hadn't sold our home back in Indiana. My sister was actually living there while we were trying to sell it, her and her husband. And um, so we sold the house we had bought in Oklahoma, moved back right into our house and took the money from the sale of the house in Oklahoma to fund our first movie. And uh, my dad had written other books along with everything else that he was doing. <laughs> He's written uh, like two or three Johnson's Word Study Concordance of the Bible. It's like a two, like a three or four inch books. Like these yep. are huge yeah. books. I know you've seen them uh, along with uh, others. But um, so he wrote the script for our first movie. And then we went in and started to do all the casting and figure out the locations. And my job was the director. So I was, I was directing talent and learning how to and you're, run you're a 17 camera at the and time, lighting. 18? 17 years. I was 17 years old. Yep. yep. So we started as soon as we got back, we were starting. Um, and, uh, homeschooled. 
Yeah, yeah. Homeschooled <laughs> all the way up till. So I was homeschooled all the way up until high school, which was when I moved when we moved to Oklahoma. So I was in a public school for about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to fast forward for a few moments. You end up producing and directing uh, multiple feature films, yep, which are fantastic. They've gotten a lot better as each one's kind of gone along. Hope so. Pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, you grew up in a Christian family. Yep. How far, like what's some of your earliest memories of, of God? Like what's the, what are some of the earliest things that, that you recall about like perspective, positive, negative, mm. Like, where did God first start coming to the picture for you? For me, it was around the time where um, I was getting baptized. So around 13, yeah. 13, 14, somewhere in there. I, you know, growing up, you always struggle with especially if you you're going to school or you're interacting with a lot of people like that I wasn't sheltered by any means growing up um which was a good thing because and I, I attribute that to the fact that I was homeschooled and the fact that we were able to travel and go on, on all of these art shows yeah. Yeah. all over the country so I'm meeting people of different walks of life and um getting to experience what the world is like without necessarily being quote unquote in it. So I felt like I have always had a fairly balanced experience of Christianity and, and the like. So I knew enough about the Bible that to know that I would never not believe in God. Mm. You couldn't deny his existence. I could not deny his existence. Yeah. Whatever that, However, that continued to play into the rest of my life, I would continue to see. But the moment I remember like really kind of taking a stand, it was a personal thing, very personal. It was the time, it was the day I was getting baptized. I had gotten sick with strep throat two weeks prior. And I was in bed for three weeks straight that entire time. That stinks. Yeah, it was not good. <laughs> it was terrible. But the sket we had we had scheduled the day uh, for for the baptism, and we had, didn't change it hope in hopes that you know I would get have gotten better at the time. I didn't. The day came and it was me and a, another gentleman from our church. We were both going to be get baptized at the same day. He got baptized, and we had a, a pool at our house, and everyone showed up. And he went and he got baptized and I was in bed. I got out and like my, I'm achy all over Mm. and so exhausted and so tired. But I, I felt that it was Satan trying to hinder me to stop me from making this life decision. Hmm. And so I wasn't going to let him do that. So I was like, regardless of how bad I feel, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go through with this. Mm. So I huddled out in a blanket to the pool and it was very cold, but I was let in and and out and immediately like wrapped, dried off and I went straight back to bed, but I did it. Yeah. And for me, like that was like the first time where like I felt like I was literally fighting against Satan 
and one. Um, so yeah, that was the first, first experience that I remember having a, like a spiritual awakening, I guess. Yeah. So you're 13. So, so then quite a bit happens in life. You guys moved to Oklahoma. Um, you're there's all the different things associated. Lots of, there's always a lot happening in the family. (laughs) Yes. to, To say the least. And, and then eventually you start making films. Are there any other moments that stand out? We're going to fast forward in a few moments here to, you know, you're, you're a grown man now. Yeah. Are there any other moments that stand out like after the baptism in your sort of faith experience, positive or negative, where like things became real for you? Hmm. Um, I'd have to say there were fewer momentary instances where my faith became real for me. Um, I never really, like I said, struggled with my faith. So there wasn't really this coming to God moment. Mm. Um, You you mentioned earlier about not doubting his existence. If you step back and sort of look at yourself and, and that reality of, of concluding that, like, what do you, what did you base that on? Where did that confidence for you come from? It just had to be from, um, what I knew of scripture, what I believe it believed it meant and things that I had experienced in my own life. Um, and, you know, combining that with, you know, not to separate science and religion, I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and so being able to compare those two and it makes sense. I couldn't deny a higher power for sure. Awesome. Um, but so back to your previous question, it's seeing God work has come more recently and how I've seen, been able to look back on my life. Mm and identify where he's worked. So bigger picture, yeah, I've seen God working in my life from how he's led me from one experience to the next. Mm. When at the time I had no idea what I was doing, why I was doing what I was doing, but it continued to prepare me for the next thing that was coming. And now I see why. Yeah. Um, so that's Has- been a beautiful thing to be able to have that 2020 vision of the, your life. Where God has led you. Yeah. Has your has your sense, one of the things that's always interesting is how, how we perceive God's character. Mm-hmm. Has your perspective or your sense of God's character changed over the years? Have you have you noticed any any change in how you see God then versus how you do now? Yeah, I think it's really changed within the last fairly recently, within like the last three or four years actually, since I've mm. moved. Um, so I grew up, like I said before, in a Christian family. Um, I don't know, technically, I guess I would be, see my, my parents came to the faith. So I would technically be first generation or is that second generation? It Uh, it confuses me. Yeah. yeah, It makes more sense for it to be first generation technically since I'm the first generation, a complete generation of being honest. So let's let's say I'm first generation Adventist. Um, but um, we're probably wrong, but let's roll with it. Already, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I gave backstory, so if I'm wrong, yeah. you, know, you still understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home, but it was my parents' faith for a mm. long time. Okay. Which is, you know, how it starts. That's absolutely that our parents are the first models for us, uh, yeah. positive and negative. They do their best. God's character. Yep. Yeah. Um, so since moving, I've been on this journey of discovering what my faith is mm. outside of what my, how my parents interpreted scripture for me. Yeah. How do I interpret scripture? Does it make sense for me? And the journey that I'm on, the experiences that I have. And it's, I've definitely grown to see a different side of God than how I saw him before. Mm. And it's almost, I hate to say like Old Testament versus New Testament God. Sure. But I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Of the New Testament God is more, comes across, let's say, more forward as being the loving God. Yeah, more personable, more more personable, like our friend. And I know that's how he is throughout all of scripture. He comes to us for as how we need. I've always thought that, I've always said that God is constant, never changes in how how he's different for each of us. But our, our perception changes though. We see different things. Yeah. He approaches us in the way that we need. We don't change to be able to be able to, be able to approach God. So change for humans is, is often difficult. Mm. So if that perspective is your, your, it sounds like as you're describing your perspective of God has, has changed over the years, right? Yeah. Is there anything that stands out to you that was hard about that change or, or times where, where you struggled with the cha- with that change of perspective? Um, struggling with thinking that that was okay. Mm. The way that my life was changing because of my new perception of God mm. versus how I was raised. Um, yeah. Because my personality is very much non-confrontational. Yeah. Um, I'm an introvert, well, like ambiverts, like, but mostly introverted tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not one for confrontation, but I kind of grew up being the mediator mm. for certain people in my life. Um, and so it's, I never really wanted to kind of go. I knew what would set my parents off. <laughs> uh, I think most introverts, they're, they're very like, um, study or oriented and being able to understand human nature and observing um, people and their different tendencies. So like I knew what to do and what not to do to kind of get along. As I've gotten older, I've started to care less about that and more so what's more important to me and standing up for myself and what I believe Um, regardless of um, specifically like my parents yeah. Um, not to say that what they believe is wrong or how I was raised was wrong. There was, I would probably attribute 80% of what I believe about my faith to my parents. Yeah. And how I was raised. 
what's that last, you know, 10, 20% comes down to the more relational experience that I have and have been growing with God. Yeah. And not to say that I'm there, but it's it's interesting too. There's a tension there because like, I, I know your parents, they're fantastic. And they, that's exactly what they, like sometimes as, as a parent and as a parent myself, it's like, it's exactly what you want, even if it's painful sometimes because yeah. there's, you've seen your kids grow, but like you want them to make it their own. So yeah. it's like agree or not agree with everything. It's like the, the important thing is ownership and you've, you've been going, you've gone through that ownership process of owning your faith. Yeah. And embracing where you came from and recognizing that I have to make this thing my own and that making it its own mm. is, at least in my experience, I think in many people's experience, it's a messy process because it's, it requires learning new things and being uncomfortable, which, and out of which comes that sense of our need. And if we don't have that sense of need, it's, well, it's, uh, I, I think it's, there's not much that God can do with us. I yeah. mean, he can, but he, we have to feel that. And I think that is where I'm at right now is Mm. trying to get back into realizing my need Mm. for that relationship with God. I think that's the easiest place for Christians to slip up. Yeah. Starting to feel like we've got this under control or things are pretty good. And I, you know, I'm a good person. Like, yeah. Generally, you know, like I'm not mean or treat, I treat people well, you know. Um, so you don't feel that need for change and therefore you don't feel that need for God. Like we need God when we need change. Yeah. And that's not what he wants. And that's kind of our own walk is wanting that too. I want God regardless. Yeah. You know, he's not just a, a God of what the storms. Role? What role has church played for you in all this? You, you've been an active part of the Coeur d'Alene Church, uh, and, and a lot of, and I think, and you you grew up in a family that was quite active and involved in in local church. What role has church, positive or negative, played for you in your faith experience? Yeah, I mean, I've always been. It seemed like regardless of what church I went to, I always got involved with something. Whether I was leading out in song service, or at one point I was helping out with teaching Sabbath school classes for kids yeah. not much younger than myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, gave a sermon at one point. Um, I've always gotten involved and it's always been a place of support. And, you know, for a long time when I was younger, and I think this is the case for a lot of kids, there's not much to, like. You just, you just want to be outside and play, you know, and mm. church gets in the way of that is how it feels when you're a kid, mm. unfortunately. Um, and I think it seems like for a lot of kids, um, they like, I know f- for instance, like my niece and nephew, my sister's kids, like they, they love going to church cause they get to see their friends and interact with, mm. with, um, with those people. And they have a fun time going to church. Um, and for me, it it became that as well. I started to enjoy going, mm. um, but it's it's been that. And I was I was raised in a family where we went to church every week. Mm. We never missed. 
Yeah. Hardly ever. I could probably count on both hands how many <laughs> times we missed church in the 18, 19 years that I was at home. Wow. Um, Do they give a medal for that? I think there might be a medal. <laughs> I don't know. If, if so, I've got probably two or three. Um, so it was that constant in my life. You know, yeah. We always went to church. That was just, that was it. Um, and it was, that was the, that was, I think that was my faith when I was a kid. Mm. Was uh, those hours at church. This is what we do. We go to church and there's good experiences and yeah. this is, this is faith. And how that's changed is that I see church more so as the people versus the location. Mm. And I'm one of the people. Hmm. Is the church worthy of me? Am I worthy of the church? Hmm. Um, and that's the, I think the journey that I'm on right now is, is, um, you know, and I guess it's, I guess that's, I think that should be less of the case. But if you think of the church as being like, take away seventh day Adventism, yeah, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? Um, a church is a place of support and accountability for people, um, mm-hmm. for peace and rest. That's what it should be. Doesn't mean that that's what it always is. We are still humans. Um, but the church is made up of its individuals. And how is the individual representing God? Not forget the church. How's the individual? As a, and then the individual as a collective. Um, and it's an interesting it's been, thought that I've had, I think, lately in light of, again, current things that are going on with Black Lives Matter. The church as a entity, as like a, an establishment, how can yeah. they handle or how are they allowed to handle this movement versus how the individual within the church is able to handle the movement? Two totally different things. What do you mean by allowed? Um, it may not be the best word, but I think there's, I mean, kind of like, like how are you, how are they able to do it? Like how do they, for instance, like it? a nonprofit really can't t- take a stand on political issues. Ah, uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. So yeah. the church can't yeah, what's, really what's take the church's stand, role. Right. Yeah. But it's people can. I see. I see what you're saying. So, yeah, I see. Yeah, it's it's been interesting with with this whole like pandemic situation of this question mark of what does it really mean to do church because we're not meeting in person. Does that mean the church stops? No. Right. And and I, I personally really enjoyed seeing some of the creativity come out of this. Folks who've gotten involved in like virtual Sabbath schools, uh, RJ yeah. stepping up to do this, uh, all the work that you and the team did on putting together those those um, like. Sabbath presentations. Yeah. And it's been a, for me, a helpful reminder of churches more than just this time together in a space at the same time, which you, you kind of know intellectually, but to then say, oh, that that's taken away. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what it's like when you know, we can more freely get back together again. Yeah. What's it been like for you? Like you've, you've been pretty, you haven't had really much of a break because you've been active <laughs> in production like yeah. pretty much every week, yeah. but. Um, it's, um, 
the weekends the weekends seem to have been a little bit more relaxing ironically because mm. <laughs> like the work has been done during the week <laughs> yeah ah um, yes good so and what's in like because i recorded the services recorded the song services and then edited them all together like i've seen i watched the message of, twice <laughs> yeah <laughs> so typically i wouldn't watch it again on sabbath because like i mean i would do something else because i'd already yeah. seen it <laughs> yeah um but yeah. uh yeah it, it was different it's been it felt a little more relaxing was it ever strange doing all this on a weekday like doing the sabbath service preparing <laughs> it on a weekday uh, I think at first, and then it, I got used to it. <laughs> I'm um, curious for the speakers what it was like. <laughs> and just... Well, so being having a little inside voice, I know like a lot of them struggled with it because they they struggle the most talking to the camera and not having an audience that energy to feed off of. Yes, yes. Um, so I know a lot of them struggled with that, but they all did great. Um, they all did a very good job. Um, but I know a lot of people are excited to get back in and be able to look at other people's faces in the crowd as yeah. they're talking, like talking to somebody. There were times where I would just be like right behind the camera, giving them an eye to look at just so that it felt human oh, um, wow. while they were talking. All the things you just don't see behind the scenes. Did you guys ever do a like blooper reel? <laughs> you know, uh, we haven't. And ironically, <laughs> an interesting compilation. <laughs> yeah, I think the most of it would come from like the song services because we had a lot of fun in that room at that time recording wow, a bunch great. of things. Yeah, that's great. So we don't know where this is all going yet. Yeah. It's still very much kind of in flux. Where where do you see where's God working in your life now? Like where, where do you where's, where do you see him taking you? Yeah, well, in light of, you know. 2020, uh, I entered 2020 with totally different expectations than what I <laughs> currently have for how the year you're is going to the go. only one. I think you're the only I, one. Yeah. I, so listen to what I have to say and see if it <laughs> resonates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, um, you know, I think, you know, my, my life is not going to be the only one changing. I think a lot of things outside mm. of just, you know, my life, what we can expect from, from the work sector and from how like shopping or things like this, the world's going to change yeah. in a lot of ways, I believe. Mm. And it, can be very easy to get caught up in all of that change ah, and yes. get scared and get, you know, um, terrified of the unknown, not knowing like we, I thought I knew what, you know, the world looked like. I had this routine. I, I had that constant, all of that's been thrown to the wind for, a, for the most part hmm. for a lot of people. And it's terrifying. So that said, the constant for, and I think what we have as Christians, that is our grounding rock is our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to find any level of peace and 
um, comfort in the time we have in front of us is going to be found in us drawing closer to God. So that's my goal. And this is something I have to constantly remind myself of is my goal is to get closer to God because whether you believe this is the sign of the times, a lot of people have believed that for years and years and years and years. You know, history is destined to repeat itself as they say. So there's multiple cases throughout history where events seem to line up (laughs) with end time events. Yeah. Um, So, whether whether you think that or not time is sure regardless so and and always the reminder too is we don't know what we only know that we have a day at a time exactly right like regardless of what happens in the world around us and that can be interesting and distracting you and i we don't we only know that we have today yeah so what are we going to do with this time and in scripture like it says like don't um don't stop your daily routines just because you fear the time is short. Yeah. Keep working, you know, do keep doing the work that you're given to do. And when it's time to go, go, but don't freak out. Don't get scared. Don't like sell everything and, you know, hide and run to the mountains right now. Like just keep living your life. Keep your faith in God. And he will, you'll, he'll direct your paths. So I don't know where my life is going to be, how my life is going to change. In a lot of ways, it's changed for the better, fortunately. Um, I've been fortunate because of the line of work that I'm in um, to be able to keep working through this time because I don't, I can work from home. Yeah. Yep. So in that level, it's not changed a whole lot. So I can only imagine what it has been for people who couldn't work during this entire time and, you know, their lives completely changed. I can only imagine what that was like. So I can't speak for them. I can only speak for myself um, and say that um, I have hope for the future. And if we can remember what it means to be Christians, to be sons and daughters of God and remembering that everyone is a child of God. Ah. Especially right now, remembering that God values each of us as if we were the only, only person, right? That he looks at each of us. If we were the only one, he would have died for us. He would have died for you. Yeah. So we all have equal value in the sight of God. Caleb, I'm glad you're a member. It's been great to all your contributions to the ministry, your involvement, your friendship. And I appreciate you taking the time to share some of your story and your journey. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, as, as the, as the song goes, uh, he's still working on me and on each one of us. And it's, it's yeah. a, a privilege to see through the difficult times and the, and the good times, what God's doing in our lives. And I appreciate you sharing some of what he's been doing in your life and looking forward to seeing what he continues to do. Yeah. Thanks. And likewise. 
Special thanks to Caleb Johnson for spending some time and letting us get to know him a little better, and to Jonathan Wold for the interview. For more information about our church, visit cdaadventist.org.